What's up, everybody? And thanks for tuning in to Why I, my podcast, where I sometimes rant, sometimes have reason, thoughtful arguments to explain why I make certain choices, do the things I do, love the things I love, think the things I think. So today's episode is going to be a lot different than my previous ones. Uh, for one, I'll be having my first Why I guest ever. Um, I'll introduce him later, and you'll hear from him in a bit. And two, it's because this episode's tone will change significantly from my previous episodes. So I purposefully started off YI with things like workout pants and groceries chains to keep things lighthearted and just to goof off for a bit as I got the gears going for this podcast. But I do want this to be a very comprehensive YI, um, a podcast that fills in the blank after those two words and not just silly things or practical things, but also very personal things and important things. So on that note, today's episode will be the first one that is very personal and strikes my heart in a very vulnerable way. Today's episode was inspired by a friend and listener who suggested I do a podcast on what book I recommend the most, so I'm going to do that. So today's episode is going to be why I think that the book I'm going to talk about is one that everyone should read. And I think most of you who are listening are either members of my church or close friends who know me pretty well. So you're probably going to guess something by Tim Keller, John Piper, Charles Spurgeon, some somebody, some Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some theologian or pastor. But my choice of book I think everyone should read is probably one that you're not expecting and one that I'm going to guess most of you have probably never even heard of. My choice of book is not a theology one or one teaching the Bible or, or biblical principles, but it's certainly one that informs us how we live as disciples of Jesus and equips us with a skill that all of us need, but I think most of us do not have. So the reason why I'm choosing this book is because it equips us with a critical skill that will come into use over and over and over again in life. But what I believe most of us are very ill-equipped to do right now. The book is called What Grieving People Wish You Knew by Nancy Guthrie. I'll repeat that one more time in case you want to look it up and buy it. What Grieving People Wish You Knew by Nancy Guthrie. G-U-T-H-R-I-E. And the subtitle of the book is About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts. So, um... August 24th, 2015 was the worst day of my life. Um, It was a day that my mom lost her battle to pancreatic cancer and gave up her last breath. So it's been five years now, and, and I'm obviously better in a lot of ways, but I'm still wounded in a lot of ways too. I have scars, meaning uh, things that healed but left a mark, but I also have open wounds that are scabbing, that are able to reopen and reopen pretty often. Losing my mom changed my life forever. So for the first year after losing my mom, I realized something very important. I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. I did not know how to grieve, and I realized no one else knows what to do either. Some people were so great at supporting me, but most people around me were just for lack of better words, clunky in their attempts to show support. And it made me realize we don't know much about grief. Although we will experience personal grief in life until we die and people we love will experience grief, it's always going to surround us. 
So I felt so clunky and confused. I felt like no one was able to help me. I didn't even know how to help myself, and I didn't know how to help others help me either. It was most telling with one experience I had with my wife that I'd like to share. So months had, just a few months had gone by um, after my mom died, and Unji, being a good wife, would check up on me and ask about how I was doing, and um, yeah, she would ask me regularly, are you feeling okay? Like, how are you doing? And I remember saying to her, um, hey, uh, you know, you don't have to ask me all the time. You know, I'd love it if we could just talk normally. And she responded really well, saying, oh, yeah, of course, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, let's let's do that. And the reason why I asked that is because I wanted life to stop hurting and to be about hurting and talking about hurting and everything just surrounding the fact that I was a wounded person. I just wanted things to be normal. So I remember I quickly restarted my routines and things I was doing on the regular, like working out and um, hanging out with people and meetings that people were probably expecting me not to show up at, I would still go. Um, I remember right after my mom died, there was a Cornerstone softball game and I showed up and I'm, I bet people were like, what the heck are you doing here? And I didn't say anything, but it's I just so desperately wanted my life to be normal again. And one thing that, I mean, many of you know that I'm obsessed with The Office, but you all don't know that The Office was actually very helpful in my recovery because that was a regular routine part of my life. And so I started that again while I was hurting, just watching episodes of The Office while I ate or did the dishes and just doing anything I could to help me feel normal again. But the thing is, um, again, I was new to this. I didn't know what I was doing. What I now know is trying to pretend to be normal, it, it can help in some ways, but it's naive to think it should be something that you want or strive for because underneath it all was still so much pain to address and grieving that needed to be done. So to wrap back to the story, I remember feeling hurt that Unji wasn't ever asking me how I was doing because she stopped asking me. And it was like days and then maybe like a week or so where I was stewing in it and just these thoughts like rolling in my mind, like my heart being burdened. How could my wife of all people in this world not check in on me and ask about like the pain that I'm going through? And so my emotions are bottling up and I blew up on her one day. I just just unleashed just like, I can't believe like when was the last time you checked up on me like don't you know how much pain I'm in like and how much I'm struggling and I remember like just the shock on her face and her responding wait what happened like of course I've been thinking about you this whole time of course I want to ask you all the time but you said you wanted to go back to normal you said you didn't want me to ask about these things anymore and at that moment, like, we were both just so exasperated because I was so broken. And she was right. It wasn't her fault. I told her to stop. So she was treating me as I asked her. But what I, I now know is I had no idea what I really wanted because I had no idea what was going inside of me because I was just a shell, broken. So my emotions and mental health were just wandering for months. I was confused and wacky. And so... I started to go to therapy and, you know, asking more for more prayer from friends and family. Um, and then finally, after a number of months, I, I bought books that people recommended for me to read. And listen, <laughs> no one in this world wants to hear, hey, you should read this or, hey, buy this book while you're suffering. 
So like everybody else, I also hated that advice, but I'm so thankful that I listened to that advice, even though at the time it rubbed me the wrong way, but I'm so glad that I put my pride aside and I actually listened. Um, I ended up buying those books. So one of my counseling, counseling sessions, I, it was recommended to get a few books and I bought all of them on Amazon and I started reading. I finally started to get to reading and it changed my experience because reading what others wrote about their grief helped me understand what was going on inside of me. I had all these thoughts and feelings and pain swirling around in my head and it was like these authors, they basically took the words out of my brain and they wrote it down for me and published it to me. It was like, here, read this. This is what you feel. This is why you're confused. This is why you don't know what's going on. This is why you're telling your wife one thing and then you're going back on it later. This is why you feel so confused and clunky. So finally, as I read these stories and flipped these pages, I, would, I was underlining like everything and I'm starting to realize like this is what I was trying to say. This is what I felt, but I couldn't explain. This is why I reacted that way. And I was connecting with page after page and understanding my grief better. And all of the feelings of, I have no idea what's going on. Like those feelings, they started to make sense. And so this was a huge turning point in my experience where I started to not just fumble around and bump my head into walls and grief, but this is when I started to grow in my grief. In this exact season, I was browsing Twitter and noticed that the Gospel Coalition had tweeted about Nancy's book. So I was already in the middle of and in the mode of reading stuff on grief. And, and I read the plug of the book on the blog and I thought, oh my goodness, like I need this book. So I quickly bought it and I read it so fast when I got it. I just plowed through it. It's not a long book anyway. It's very short. And most of the book is just like a point followed by testimony. So she had collected all these stories and letters from hurting people and um, even shares uh, her life story as well. And I felt like I could relate to, to all these people who were writing into her. We had, shared, we had such a shared experience, both of how people loved us well and how people hurt us and how people were trying their best but were clunky and had well-meaning attempts but not good attempts. And after reading this book, it made me realize everyone needs to know this stuff. Everyone needs to know this. We all have hurting people in our lives, but often we just don't know what to do or what to say for these people. And loving hurting people is such a beautiful part of our calling on this, on this earth. It's part of the human experience. And, and from a Christian point of view, it's such a big part of Christ-likeness, and it's tied to our discipleship and our effectiveness for the kingdom. You know, we might be good at leading small groups and maybe leading songs and doing all these skills, but how important is it as believers to, to know how to care for hurting people? Well, that's huge. So this book, it's not a theology book, but it's certainly rooted in theology and, and it makes our theology blossom and equips us to be more like Jesus and how to live like him. Have you ever felt like you didn't know what to say to someone who was in a lot of pain? or you didn't have a clue on how to help them. You wanted to help. You wanted to say something, but you just didn't know, know what to say. I'm pretty sure every single one of us right now, and those of you who are listening are saying, yes, I have had countless experiences where I just sat there awkwardly and I didn't know what to say and I was afraid to say something and I had all these questions in my mind. I didn't know what to do. Read this book. 
Go on Amazon, Nancy Guthrie, just read the book. It will help you. But if you don't read the book, and before you read the book, you are listening to this podcast right now. And so I want to help you too. And a lot of this may be, well, well, certainly some of it will be overlap from the book because like I said, we, so many of us share the same experience. So for today's podcast, I will be sharing three points, my three favorite three points on how to love grieving people from my personal story and from, I'm sure, many, many other people's stories that they would, uh, they would agree with me. But that's actually how I'm going to end today's episode. Before we get to that, we're going to talk to my guest. So I'm going to be calling my friend Tim, Tim Yi. So Tim is one of my best friends from college. Uh, we were in the same class at UMass. Um, he's also a brother in ministry and is currently a pastor. Uh, we both got graduated college together and both went straight into seminary. We went to different schools, but um, enrolled and went through the whole application process and starting seminary life together and graduated at the same time. So we've been on the same journey for, for a while. But there's another thing that Tim and I share, uh, which is the reason why I'm calling him for this episode specifically. Uh, both of us lost our mom's cancer. Um, Tim lost his mom a little bit before I lost mine, so he was a little bit ahead of me in the journey, and he also was somebody who helped me through my grief as well. Um, so I'm going to call him and ask him to share some of his experience with losing his mom, uh, what he learned from the experience, and we'll gain from his personal story and the wisdom that he learned on how we can be better equipped to help hurting people and those who are going through grief. So uh, let's give him a call, and I'd love to, for all of you to hear from my brother, Tim. Hello? Hey. Tim, what's up, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You're I can clear. hear you too. Good, good. I'm, I'm clear? Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, thanks for being my first guest on my podcast, man. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, man. <laughs> this is this is fun. I'm usually like in the attic um, talking to myself. <laughs> uh, so it's nice to actually speak to somebody else. I wish I had a studio and we could like invite people over and be uh, in the same room. Yeah. You know, got to start small and then, you know, make it big later on. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So um, I already shared a little bit about you, um, that you went to UMass together, um, that you're, that we both went into seminary at the same time and that you're pastoring. But, um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself? Like, um, so you can introduce your name, you know, where you're from, what you're doing, like what church and, and what your job is. And, um, yeah, just any general get to know you type thing. Yeah. So, um, my name is Tim Yi and, I'm actually from New Jersey, which I think is one of the best states in America. <laughs> um, but I've been, uh, like Danny shared, um, I've been in ministry for about the past 10 years. Uh, we went to seminary, to, um, not the same seminary, but we went to seminary at the same time. And so right now I'm serving as the education director slash pastor at my church I'm located in Paramus, New Jersey. So we are in the northern part of New Jersey. And, um, you know, I started in youth ministry and I've always had a heart for the next generation. Um, I've always wanted to instill faith and have people to know who God is, um, especially 
who are younger than me. And so that role kind of, you know, evolved into doing education. So I kind of oversee, you know, not just youth and college, but now I oversee, you know, the elementary and the kindergarten and the toddler ministry. Mm. And so when people ask me, like, oh, like, what the heck is an education pastor? Um, I like to um, use this analogy of like a school principal. So a principal kind of oversees uh, a school, you yeah. know, uh, has meetings with teachers and kind of sets the curriculum and the vision for the academic year. So I kind of do that, but in a church setting. So I had meetings with our youth pastors and our children's pastors, and we talk about different ideas and, um, you know, talk about certain students that need help. So um, that I've been, it's a fairly new role. I've been doing it since January. So it's been about five months now but you know i definitely enjoy it um i i love um, investing in the faith of the next generation so yeah that's mm. kind of like in a nutshell of what i'm doing in my ministry position yeah yeah for sure cool i like the analogy principal yeah we should call you principal tim instead of pastor tim. i guess the p the p works p yeah tim. it does it does work <laughs> i want to be that cool principal <laughs> for sure yeah dude it's been uh i'm like thinking about like how we met when we were 18. It's been a long time. I remember we met the first time at the basketball court and I was raised to be city racist and I saw your Yankees hat and I immediately hated you. <laughs> I instantly was a racist towards you and then we ended up becoming <laughs> friends and roommates. I um, know how ironic. Yeah. Uh, God is and good. Now we're, yeah. Now we're both pastors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you? Uh, I know New Jersey, I mean, a little bit New York, or especially in New York, but bleeding over to Jersey is like kind of crazy with COVID. How, how have you been? Uh, and actually the church too. How have you guys been adjusting? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy times, right? Um, who would have known that we'd be here like two months ago? Um, so, you know, I'm sure you guys all know, but New Jersey, I think is like number two when it comes to most COVID cases and deaths, which is... Mm. Um, it's just out of this world and would have never thought that we'd be here. Um, you know, honestly, at first, I thought it was a little overblown. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're like me. I was like, oh, like, what is this? Like, it's just like another flu. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then I think when it, it, it hit me when the turning point was like when the NBA canceled their season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like after that, like everything just got canceled. And at that point, I was like, oh, shoot, okay, maybe this is like, really serious and maybe i should um take another look at like what's going on and so um for me and at least for my church um you know we switched we pivoted going to online you know it was very abrupt but i think we're able to adjust fairly well um you know a lot of churches in this area are struggling financially um mm. so we had to you know apply for different loans um fortunately yeah. we were able to get some funding so for oh, now good. yeah so for now we are okay for the time being um, but you know, there are other smaller churches that are struggling. So, you know, definitely my heart goes out to them. So I just, we, you know, I think everyone is suffering. Everyone's kind of going through like this mental and emotional fatigue right now. Mm. And I think that's kind of like where we are, uh, as a state, I think as New Jersey, you know, we are aware of the seriousness of it, but you know, we've been cooped up. Uh, we feel like we're like in a sense, um, in prison for like almost two months. And then our governor actually extended another 30 days till oh, like okay. june 5th and so you know when june comes around we'll be staying at home for about three months and so there's definitely that that fatigue that i think everyone is kind of going through right now and i think everyone's just dying to you know go outside um and kind of get the lives 
back on track, which um, will take a lot of time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a good segue because, um, so I told you a little bit about my podcast. I call it why I, and mm-hmm. I'm just filling in the blank. Why I do this, why I do that, why I believe this, why I believe that. And most of my, I mean, I've only had three episodes so, so far, um, or four, actually, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, and, uh, they've kind of been silly and not necessarily <laughs> silly, but like, not like necessarily serious things. Mm-hmm. Um, but today I wanted to do my first episode, like addressing more serious content. The title of the episode is not serious in that it's just why I recommend a particular book, um, and why I think that everybody should read it. And it's a book, um, by Nancy Guthrie called, um, what grieving people wish you knew. Mm. And it's a book that I read and then I'm going to talk about in the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, even right now when we're talking COVID, like to many of us, it's just statistics, but to literally thousands and thousands of people around the world, it's, it's a time of grieving and having lost their loved ones um, too early, you know, and, and also being in fear. And even just like you mentioned, like for those of us who aren't worried about life or death, but are just cooped up and feeling like issues with mental health. I know there's a lot of like depression and anxiety and all that stuff going around. Um, and so all of us are going to deal with hurting people, no matter what. A lot of us are doing that right now. But from now until we peace out of this earth, um, we're going to have friends, family members. For us, a lot of congregants, um, co-workers, cousins, uh, people who are hurting in one way or another. And so uh, the reason why I'm recommending the book is because it equips us and how to do that well, because from my experience, um, I didn't, I still struggle with helping people who are in a lot of pain because I mm. feel so awkward or I don't know what right. to say or what to do. And I feel like most people are very ill-equipped when it's actually superhuman, right? It's like, um, I don't, I mean, I should have thought of an, of an analogy, but like imagine meeting an adult who like, I don't know, doesn't know how to use their phone or doesn't know how to drive. Like, it's like, it's part of our everyday, like it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Like, oh, I don't know how to take a shower. Like, it's, it's just a part of life. And, but the thing is with grief and hurt and helping hurting people, even though it's such a everybody thing, it feels like everybody doesn't know how to deal with it or help people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I shared with how, as well as, as much as we're, have a lot of in common and that we're both in ministry and that we went to us together and that we've been good friends since college. Um, I shared that we both have lost our moms and we've gone through the experience of grief and, um, maybe in some, some ways are still going through it now and today. Uh, so I want to, yeah, ask you just some questions about your mom and then your experience. So, mm-hmm. um, can you, before we talk about like the experience of what was good and bad and what was helpful and unhelpful, just talk about your mom, um, her name, how, you know, how she passed and when, and, and talk about some things about your mom that you loved about her. Um, maybe parts of like the way that your relationship with her was, um, just anything like that. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, before I get to that, I mean, I definitely appreciate the content of this podcast that you're doing, that we're doing right now. Um, like you said, like a lot of people are ill-equipped and I think it's because people don't think about grief and mourning every single day, you know, yeah. um, they only think about it once they lose someone or 
you know, they're going through a crisis. And so I think this uh, episode hopefully will be able to help a lot of people um, so that they can be ready and somewhat prepared when that time comes. So I definitely um, love mm. the direction of this podcast or this episode. Um, so about my mom. So um, her name is Park Yong Ok. And, um, you know, she, like many other uh, families, um, she immigrated uh, to America back in like the 80s. You know, um, she joined uh, my dad and starting a new life here in America, starting a bet, uh, to get a better life. Um, for her family. And it was around 2013, I believe, where we actually found out that she had an aggressive form of liver cancer. And I think I was about in my mid-20s, around 26 or 27. Mm -hmm. And the time it was just really bad because the day that we actually found out that she had liver cancer was actually on Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was like not a, a joyous Easter Sunday for me and for my, and for my, for my family. Um, and so ever since that day, um, that kind of changed our entire life. You know, my life, mm -hmm. my dad's life and my sister's life, um, just taking care of her and just trying to figure out like what to do, like how to give her the best care. Um, like, you know, we were definitely not prepared for this. I mean, mm. no one ever thinks it's going to happen to them. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we hear about stories and we're like, Oh man, I feel bad about for that family or, or my friend, but then we never realized that it's going, that it could be us. And so for me and for my family, it was a huge, huge shock. And so, you know, my relationship with my mom, I think like um, most mothers, you know, she, um, was a very sacrificial mom. She definitely put, you know, my need and our family's need before her own. And so that's something that I really admired about her, mm. um, you know, giving rides to, you know, school, you know, when I had basketball practice, she'd always be there in any extracurricular activities. And like one memory that I, I, I have and I cherish is, you know, whenever like we would be in the same car, we would always sing like this Korean hymn together. Mm. Um, and that just really stuck out to me. And we would just sing it like every single day. And so whenever I hear that hymn, like in a Korean church service, like it brings a smile to my face because, you know, I'm, it takes me back to those days when my mom, but all right, let's just sing this hymn, you know, <laughs> even when I don't feel like it. Yeah. But like the lyrics, it just come out so naturally because I said it so many times. And so that's definitely a, um, a memory that I'm always going to cherish and a song that I always hold dear to my heart. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, as I got older, you know, I think like most guys, we wanted to be independent, um, kind of live on our own. And so I don't think I fully appreciated the work and the love from my mom until after um, mm. she passed away. And that's just like one thing that I, 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 I do regret. Um, I, I realized that um, I consumed much more from her. She contributes so much to me. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, um, I am so thankful for all the things that she has done for me. And I think um, a lot of the things that I do now has been influenced by her. Mm. Um, so like my heart in um, wanting to talk to people, my heart and wanting to care for people really stems from the care that she has given to me, you know, when she was still here. And so, yeah, just, you know, that's kind of like, in a nutshell, my, the relationship that I've had um, with my mom. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, unfortunately, get to have a close relationship with your mom. But I remember the number of times that I was able to meet her. And she was so awesome. And 
even the time that during college when we drove down to Jersey and stayed over your place, like she was so like kind and hospitable to us. So um, even through those little glimpses, I could, I could definitely, um, it's your, you sharing is kind of bringing up memories of, of her that I've had as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, in your experience, um, if you can think back to, I guess when it was not far after the services and kind of, you know, move, I mean, actually even before that, like during treatment and, and, and while, you know, in her final weeks and stuff, um, did you have any experiences where people, uh, whether it be your family members, friends, church, people, community, anybody was, did things that were particularly helpful and loving that, um, you thought was really good experiences and support through grief? Yeah. You know, um, with our church community, yeah, I think they're very helpful. Like they always checked up on me, um, asked me like how I was doing and, and you know, offering the prayer. And so definitely there was like an outpouring of support from the very beginning, which, mm, okay. you know, I appreciate so much. And I think like one thing that really stood out to me was like these unexpected food deliveries. I know mm. we kind of do it now, but back then, like, like it'll be like eight, 9 PM at night. Right. And I'm in my room and all of a sudden I hear like the doorbell ring. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, who the heck is like at our door right? yeah, yeah. at 9 PM. It's like, is this some kind of creepy stranger? Um, and so at first, you know, it's kind of skeptical, but then when I open the door and when I see a church member um, and she would, and she had like this, you know, um, bowl or this plate of like lasagna. Right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and she would be like, Oh, like, you know, we're just thinking about you. And so I made this for you and for your family for the next couple of days. And I, and I was just floored. It's like, wow, like people like really went out of their way, drove to my house and, you know, where my, you know, back where I lived, like I lived in the middle of nowhere, right? It's just like farmland. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you have to drive like 20 minutes just to get to like a supermarket. <laughs> yeah. So people like literally drove like 30, 40 minutes just to drop off food yeah. um, unexpectedly. And like, that's something that I, I always remember. And I was really touched. It's like, Man, people are were willing to travel far distances to show the love of Christ by simply making a meal. Mm. And so I remember like me and my dad and my sister were like, oh man, like we love this lasagna. And so that particular church member did that like a couple of times, even after that. I think she did it like three or four times, just oh, unexpected wow. food deliveries. Um, and so that that was like a very powerful and a helpful and a practical way. Right. I mean, yeah, prayer is is awesome. Um, you know, sharing uh, Bible verses, you know, that's great and all. And I'm not saying, you know, don't do that. But it's like those practical ways where, like, we were touched. And, like, I remember to this day, um, like, lasagna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love lasagna? But, um, <laughs> but I think it's just that um, just providing in a way where um, you could just really help a family. That's what something was helpful to me and to my family in the very mm. beginning. Yeah. And especially when it comes to food, like, you know, food is such a common thing for when people are going through stuff, right. Whether it's grief yeah. or not. And I think with food, it's like when you're hurting, the last mm. thing you want to worry about is going to the freaking grocery store, you know, and like cooking, like you, you barely have the energy to want to put anything in your mouth. Like, exactly. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, when everything was fresh for me, like, like, I feel like I was like skin and bones, like losing weight because I just couldn't eat. I had no appetite. And yeah. So if I didn't have an appetite, I definitely wasn't going to cook, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And like, uh, and there's like so many things that you had to do, like post funeral, like, you know, the bills and like coming up with like the tombstone. And so there are like a lot of things that you have to do, um, which I don't think a lot of people realize. And it's very stressful. And sometimes you can forget to kind of take care of yourself, like, you know, the basic things, right? You know, like Mm -hmm. eating. And so I think stuff like that would definitely, you know, help so much for a family that's grieving and, and, and mourning. For sure. Um, that, that reminded me, uh, when we were going through our stuff, like one of my aunts pretty much came to, or took care of like, like all that type of practical stuff, like appointments, calling the cemetery, figuring out details of, yeah. um, at the wake and like all the annoying logistical calls that like, when you're, when you can barely talk cause you're crying all the time, you don't want to mm-hmm. be like, Oh yeah. Like I'll like, can you guys come at this time? And who am I speaking to? And what's the phone number and all these details. And I think from your story with the lasagna and even to like, you know, with funeral and like service details, I think it's clear that a way to really love people is like lessening the burden of things that are really hard for them to do. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Lasagna. Lasagna. That that was (laughs) like, like, it it was delicious, I'm sure, but you know, that was out of love. So I'm sure it was was a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what about like the other side? Like, the, did you experience any clunkiness or awkwardness or people trying and falling on their faces mm. or anything that you remember being, I don't know, disappointing or hurtful or anything like that? Yeah, you know, um, I, I was thinking about this and and you know, I don't think people intentionally want you know, want us to feel bad or offended. And, you know, I get yeah. it. People, people don't know how to respond. And so um, a lot of these things are well-intentioned and well-meaning. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that before uh, yeah, yeah, I, sure. I say anything, you know, because mm-hmm. again, this is a, a difficult place to be in. It's like, how do you minister to people who are hurting? I, I get it. It's very difficult. Um, but, you know, like I shared before, it's like, you know, right when um, a family member or friend loses um, you know, a, a loved one, you know, the outpouring of support, it's so intense in the very beginning, right? Maybe mm-hmm. for like the first week or two, like people are just like dropping by, they're doing food deliveries, they're, they're helping out in every way that we, any way that they can. But, you mm-hmm. know, as kind of time goes on, like, you kind of feel forgotten. And yeah. again, there's no fault to their own because people have to move on with their lives, you know, yeah. and, and I yeah, totally yeah. get that. But I think, you know, what, what, what would help is, you know, if you check in, like maybe sometime like after, maybe like a month after, three months mm-hmm. after, six months, and it doesn't have to be extravagant, you know, just kind of check in, hey, like, you know, I've been thinking about you, you know, how is everything, you know, just like a, a simple message, I think is definitely helpful, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes, you know, three months, four months after you do feel neglected and forgotten. And yeah. so people um, will probably ask like, man, am I really alone in this? And so I think just verbalizing, hey, like you're not alone, I'm still thinking about you is definitely something um, people could implement when they're trying to um, minister or to help a grieving person. Mm. And, and, and and another thing that I, I that kind of happened, again, well-intentioned, well-meaning in um, when we first found out that my mom had cancer, like we had people, you know, coming visit at the hospital and at home, you know, checking up on her. 
And, you know, I would have people come and share to me like, oh, hey, like, you know, we're sorry about like, you know, what happened and your mom getting cancer. And then they would share um, how they had a family member or a friend who also had cancer, mm -hmm. but then how they came out of it, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, and they would say, hey, man, like, you know, like be strong and I'm sure like this will pass. I'm sure like she will. Um, be cancer and and I and I get where they're coming from right they want to instill like positivity and, and like hope and yeah. hope I get yeah. that yeah um, but I think the other side to that is you kind of instill like a sense a, a false sense of hope mm -hmm. you know because every cancer story and every person is different you yeah. know so yeah maybe you've had a family or friend who you know be cancer and praise God for that you know but um, every cancer uh, patient is different, you know, and their diagnosis is different. And so to kind of like generalize and throw like a blanket statement, I think is something that definitely um, hurt me a little bit, mm. you know, it's because, you know, my mom's diagnosis wasn't that great. And so um, it's just that sense of like, hey, let's not. Um... So like in, that instilling like a sense of false hope, I think. Yeah, um, was something that um, rubbed me uh, the wrong way just a little bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, in the book, um, so the book is basically like Nancy Guthrie, just like combining a lot of people's stories, including her own, and like a lot of the pages of the book are, are letters, like from from people who wrote in and ex and shared their stories. And and one of the big points she has in one of the chapters is like when sharing stories, like it can, it can be very helpful, but mm -hmm. not when it like creates a, like a comparative, like, uh, like language to it. Like, Oh, like you're, you lost your, um, son in a car crash and it was really quickly, but I lost my son to a slow disease. And like, in, in like building stories, whether to be encouraging or to create competition and how that's like not helpful for anybody. Like, the only point that if you do want to bring up stories is just to share, like, um, is to create it, create it just simply as a, you know, I'm here for you. Like I'm, mm. I'm feeling with you. And, yeah. um, even, you know, one thing that's recommended is don't say like, I know how you feel. Like, hmm. you know, I like imagine you and I, if anybody could say that to each other, but even that it's not completely true. Like we both lost our moms. We both lost our moms to cancer, but we, we have a lot of shared feelings, but your experience is unique and valuable in its own way, as was mine, right. exactly. you know, and so, and, but I agree with you that, and this is, again, another one of the major reasons why I'm doing this is so many people, they, everyone felt, right? They wouldn't be reaching right. out if they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't put their foot in their mouth if they weren't willing to share and to talk, if, which is courageous. Like some people are too afraid to say anything at all. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I think that grieving people could definitely benefit if there was a little bit less putting foot in mouth, <laughs> mm -hmm. if people t were to learn a little bit. And um, also the forgetting thing, I'm glad that you brought that up because um, after we hang up later, I'm going to share my final three points. And one of them mm. was, was exactly that. Like, don't forget, you know, the people who in your life who are hurting because um, yeah, our lives will continue to go on, but their pain doesn't, it just, it, it, it changes but it doesn't go right. away, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I hear you with the, with the potential pain of feeling like forgotten. Yeah. And I, and I think like at the end of the day, like whether you want to share stories, you know, like you said, like the point is like, you want to communicate that, Hey, like I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, 
I might not understand exactly like what it's like. Um, like, like you share, like you lost your mom, but your experiences are different from mine. Um, but I can still say, Hey, like I'm here for you mm -hmm. uh, if you need anything. And I think that's kind of like the ministry of presence. Um, that's so important. It's just mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know, uh, you're not alone. Um, uh, we'll go through this together and, um, you're, you're not alone. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And on that note, like I say thanks to you because I felt that, um, in a big way from you, like, I don't know if, I mean, you probably remember, I don't know if you think about it, but one moment I think about often is when we both happened to, to go to passion at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> was, and we like, yeah, flew to Georgia and, and met yeah. there. And, and I think that was the first, well, I mean, not the first talking, but the first like at length conversation we had about, about our grief and, and you were, you know, a little bit ahead of me. And I remember you saying like, um, you smiled actually while I was crying and you said, it's going to get better. And because like, even in that sentence, like it was different coming from you and the way that you communicated it. Like, I feel like if somebody else said that to me, like I could have been like, dude, F you, like what do you know about it? It's going to get better. But I knew uh -huh. that you were saying that because like you loved me because you had the experience yourself and you've gone through it. You knew exactly like you, you, you knew you were in my, in that position, like mm -hmm. just a little bit before. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I feel like the, like maybe, yeah, it's, yeah, of course we should be careful with the exact words we use, but more than anything, it's just about clearly communicating whether with words or without just like, Hey, I'm here for you. And you know, like my heart is with you. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely I appreciated so. uh, that moment that we shared together in the, stadium <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, but that i do i do remember that uh very clearly uh, and i think we talked for like an hour or so um like we missed a session but i thought oh, yeah. that was such a touching moment yeah we missed uh was it francis chan did we miss him or something we missed somebody that we yeah we missed somebody <laughs> but it was it was definitely worth it yeah know? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I didn't regret missing yeah. whoever it was i don't even remember yeah. who it was yeah yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, any final like thoughts? So like, um, you know, you don't have an attention of thousands of people, <laughs> but you do <laughs> have the attention of some and, who are listening and um, I'm sure could use any wisdom on how to love hurting people well, like any parting words that you want to leave? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely thanks for um, having me on. Um, but any last words? I'm we just said much and um, uh, even for me, I'm still learning of how to uh, minister and to um, counsel people who are going through hard and difficult times. Um, and I, if anything, I think like I, I've said this before, um, at the end of the day, it's like people who are suffering and people who have lost um, something. Um, I think uh, what they're thinking about the most is who is there with me in my mm. suffering, yeah. you know? And I think that's where the ministry of presence matters the most, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than trying to focus on doing and telling, but it's just more on just like being there for people, um, just sitting next to them, you know, listening to their worries and their prayer requests. Um, I think that's really like um, the best thing that we can do mm. um, for anyone that's hurting. Hey, I'm just with you, man, right? I'm available and I want to be visible um, to you uh, during this time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, thanks for that. Yeah.
Well, hey man, appreciate the call and it's good to to talk to you. And uh, you know, this I mean, maybe it was God's providence. It wasn't intentional, but you know, this weekend, this Sunday is, is Mother's Day. So Yeah. Um maybe I don't know, in more ways than one it was timely, but I wanted to say happy Mother's Day to you and to your dad and to Minji and um I hope that on Sunday you guys are able to um have a day full full of really fond and awesome memories of your mom. So I, uh, I praise God for your mom's life and um, thankful for your, her raising you um, mm. for being a good brother. Yeah. Thank you, man. You know, I really appreciate you doing this. And I think this will help a lot of people and uh, I think a lot of good things will come, man, from this. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll link this to you when, when it's all done. <laughs> okay. And uh, Sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks again. I appreciate all right. it. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. See ya. All right. So that was uh, my friend and former roommate and brother in ministry, Tim Yi. Uh, thanks again, Tim, for being my first guest. That was fun. Okay. So I hope you guys learned a lot uh, from that conversation. But um, here are now my three tips that I would like to leave with you on how to love, how to support um, how to be there with grieving people. So three quick points. Number one is don't avoid it. Don't avoid it. When you're in grief, it often feels like you have a huge wart on you and you know it and everyone else knows it and it's incredibly awkward when nobody is willing to address it. It, it really feels like grief can be the elephant in the room. And what I think most people don't know is that the silence, it, it can range from just making it really burdensome to the grieving person to making it very hurtful, actually, and, and very scarring for the grieving person. Now, you know, you heard Tim and I speak and preface with, we know that nobody means harm. So I'm going to say that again. I know why most of us do avoid it. It's not because we're trying to be mean or neglectful. Um, I think, honestly, most of the time people avoid the topic is actually, it's kind of backwards. They're trying to be kind. Um, we think, why would I bring up something painful? Or why would I want them to think about their loss or, or their, their hurt? Or why would I want somebody to be reminded about their pain? Here's the thing. You're not reminding them of anything. Trust me. You can't remind somebody of what is on their minds 24-7. If anyone is going to remind anyone anything, it's the other way around. So please don't avoid talking about it because you don't want to remind them or make them think about it. Honestly, it's the silence that is more painful because it feels like you're just going out of your way to avoid it. One letter that came in um, in Nancy's book was somebody writing about how they remembered how the people who loved them well, but especially the people who said nothing. And so I'd like to read some quotes from some, from some of her uh, writers who sent in their letters. One quote is, your tears are salve on, the, in our, on our wound, but your silence is salt. It matters less what you say than that you say something. Another person said, if it wasn't so much what people said that hurt, what hurt was when people said nothing at all. And one more quote. If I were going through some big happy life change, 
going to college, getting married, having a baby, it would be very strange if you kept refusing to acknowledge it or never wanted to hear anything about it. This grief and loss that I am experiencing are no less life-changing. And I wrote these quotes and I underlined these quotes and I share them now because I, I really did feel the same way. I remember who was there for me. I remember who texted and emailed and called and did all the nice things. But unfortunately, I also remember those who didn't. It was really, really painful um, going through what I went through, the services, the time, the ups and downs, and the many emails that I sent out and asking people to pray and how many people just didn't say anything at all. And, and I am still giving them the benefit of the doubt that they just, I don't know, were afraid or didn't want to hurt my feelings or thought like, oh, like why would I want to bring up a sensitive topic? But friends, don't avoid it. You're not doing that. You're making it worse when you know that it's something you should talk about, but when you purposefully avoid it. The silence really can be salt on the wound. You know, Tim and I were just talking about his presence. If you don't, even if you don't know what to say, that, those are his parting words, right? Like before we hung up the phone call, it was, even if you don't know what you're doing, just show people that you're there for them. And when you're silent, you can't do that. I remember and noticed that, you know, my friends who are closer to me and my, my family members and, and also people like Tim, people who had experienced loss in their lives before, they were the ones that were very direct asking questions like, hey, how's your dad doing? Now, that question literally r- involves my dad, but it's also actually saying, how is your dad doing in losing your mom? So it's a direct address. How's your sister? Have you been hanging in there? I remember these types of questions that were so helpful for me. But I remember others who just wouldn't want to engage in the conversation. And it was clear that there was tension, that they were thinking about it, but just afraid to say it. We'd be sitting and hanging out and talking about life and, hey, what's new and how are you? And like, uh, what do you mean how am I? Like, are you asking about my mom or not? Like, please don't avoid the topic. Now, of course, we need tact. Of course, we don't want to be rude and dumb. Um, but please understand that silence can be sometimes even more painful than being clunky with what you're saying. So from here comes the thought that all of us have then, okay, I get it. Like, let's not remain silent. Let's say something. But I just don't know what to say. Like, what could I say to help somebody? What if I say something wrong? These are all really great concerns to have. And here are just some really simple ways that you can stop avoiding and start engaging and say things that are safe and loving. Here are a few examples. I'm so sorry for how you're feeling. I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm here for you. I really don't know what to say because I'm at a loss for words, but I'm here to listen as long as you need me. Losing a loved one is so hard. What you're going through must be so hard. I don't have the words to remove your sorrow or to help, but I'm here for you. I miss her too. I miss him too. And another way to engage when you don't have the words is just to ask questions. Don't make it about you, first of all. Make it about them. Ask them questions. You just listen. Show them that you care and are curious based upon the questions that you ask. Some of the most helpful conversations I had when I was in my greatest grief was when people asked me questions about my mom. Firstly, I loved hearing mom, like your mom. 
I loved when people brought her up where people weren't stepping on eggshells around me but would purposefully bring her up or say things positive like, I miss your mom's food or I wish your mom was here. And where people directly brought her up in the conversation, I loved when people did that. And when they asked questions, many people didn't know my mom who were in my life at the time. They never met her before. And when they, hey, tell me what she was like. Like, what did you love about her? And every time I would talk about her, I would actually cry and break down. But when people who didn't know my mom would talk about her and ask about her, I would love it even though I was crying because it would give me an opportunity to talk about how amazing of a woman she was. And that helps in the healing. When you go through a painful loss, so much of your memories are stuck in the bad times. If you have talked to anybody who's gone through trauma, that's so difficult. And this was one of the main reasons why I went to counseling for as long as I did. I was so broken about having more bad memories come to my mom, come to my mind about my mom than the good ones. I remember my first counseling appointment, I sat down and the therapist was like, hey, tell me, you know, tell me about yourself. Like, what brings you here? And I said, I just lost my mom and I need somebody to help me to remember the good things. I just want somebody to talk to and for you to write down things and suggestions because every time I close my eyes and I think about my mom, I have all those horrific memories that come back. And I just need help with somebody help, helping me to remember the good ones. And that's just one of the saddest parts. You're already grieving and then you wish you had all these fond memories, but then the traumatic ones, they push out the good ones. And you're left missing the person. And when you try to reminisce, all that comes to mind are the terrible images. But giving people the opportunity to talk about their loved one because you care enough to ask, it helps us bring back what feels has been lost. And it makes them not just a memory anymore. I remember in the book, and and if you get it, you'll read it. Some parents who lost their children, they loved when people said instead of, oh, I'm so sorry about the loss of your son. Like let's say their son was named David. They would specifically name them and they just loved hearing their name. Like, oh, I miss David. I'm so sorry that you lost David. It helps a lot, big time. So please don't avoid it. And when you don't know what to say, that's okay. Because you, you're you not going to pep talk us into healing. Trust me. What really helps is knowing that you're there and knowing that you're trying the best and knowing that you're there for us. So don't avoid it. Number two, don't ask permission. What I mean by that is just help, just go, just send, just do it. You know, think about Tim's story about the lasagna. The lady just showed up. Remember he said that he would hear the doorbell ring like late at night and be like, who the heck is at my door? And he would get startled. That means she didn't ask. She just showed up. She made a decision. I'm going to go grocery shopping. I'm going to cook. And then I'm going to drive the 40 minutes there and back to drop food off because this family needs it and they're, they're hurting. And so she didn't ask permission. She just did it. Here's the thing. This is a sentence that all of us are guilty of, including myself, including myself. I still find myself saying this sentence. And it's not a bad thing, but let me explain. And the sentence I'm talking about is, hey, let me know if you need anything, okay? Let me know if you need help. Let me know if you need me to to contribute or to do anything for you. 
The reality is that 90% of the time, if not more, like 95, 96, 90, some high percent of the time is they're going to need help, but they're not going to ask you. Or they're going to need help, but they just don't know what to ask for to begin with. Like kind of like me, like I, Unji was trying to help me, but I didn't even know what to tell her. I was giving her bad coaching. <laughs> I told her to do something that I later got upset about. So to say, let me know what I can do, that's not how we love hurting people the most. It's just going to help them without asking for permission or not waiting for them to bring it up. If we know they're hurting every day, then we don't need to ask or, or to wonder, oh, I wonder if they could use a text right now or I wonder if they could use a free meal right now. You know that they do. So don't say that, just go and do it. Now, again, I'm prefacing nonstop. I know nobody means anything uh unloving when we when we say that and like i said i still say that once in a while i still find myself saying that but you can say it and i know it's just in you know it's part of just like polite english sayings too so maybe it is even nice when you bring when you say stuff like that so again i'm not trying to make anybody guilty for saying that and if you say it in the future don't worry about it what i'm saying is say it and then just do it regardless of whether or not they ask for anything at all some of my fondest moments when people didn't ask permission and they just did or they just came or they just showed up. I also had food that was delivered randomly from people. I remember I would get texts, hey, I'm outside. And I'd be like, why are you here? And then just come outside. And people would hand me food or they would drop off food. I remember flowers would just show up at our house. I remember one time going into a friend's house and in their office on their, their white erase or dry erase whiteboard, seeing like a prayer list and having my mom's name on the list. I remember these really fond memories because people weren't asking me how I was doing or whether I had prayer requests or whether we were hungry and needed food and were too stressed to go grocery shopping. People just showed up and they just came. I remember at the wake, people showed up who I just never would have expected to be there. One of my best friends from college drove from New Jersey and just showed up at the wake. And I was shocked that she was there, but I am never going to forget that. I will never forget the four-hour drive up just for the short service and then the four-hour drive down to be there in person. She didn't ask permission like, hey, like, is it, is it, would it be okay if I attended or anything? She just came. Just go just do just love on the people in whatever way there's other ideas in the book and i'll just share one one person lost her husband and she would wake up in the mornings to a lot of ruckus outside like like the sound of an engine and she writes in the story that she looked out the window and one of her church members was mowing her lawn for her because that's something that her husband would do they didn't ask permission Hey, do you need, they didn't even, not even permission. They didn't even ask if they needed it. Hey, do you need your lawn mode? They just knew the answer was yes. And they didn't think, oh, like what time should I show up? Is it okay? Am I intruding? They just came, mowed the lawn and didn't even ring the doorbell to say hi. He just left. That's all you need to do. You can text, hey, I left something in, at your doorstep in your mailbox and just walk away. That's all you need to do. Don't ask for permission. And lastly, and this is something that Tim said, and, and I, you know, didn't know he was going to say it, but we are on the same wavelength. Don't forget. 
We forget way quicker than hurting people do. Life goes on for us, but not for them. Try your best not to forget. And the people who didn't forget are some of the most loving and memorable things for me even to this day. People who kept texting me months later. People who even, I don't know how, but found out my mom's birthday and would text me on that or my mom's passing uh, Memorial Day or anniversary and would just remember And that just shows just such a tremendous amount of love. And all it is is a text, like one sentence. A text, what does that require? Like five seconds of our day? But that is a memory that is drilled into my mind and my heart where I feel so loved because someone took, no joke, five seconds to remember. So if you have somebody who goes through something terrible or goes through a lot of grief, And you know that you'll forget because your life will go on. And there's nothing to feel guilty about your life moving on. It's just, that's just the way that it is. It's going to happen. If you don't want to forget, just put down reminders. Put it into your calendar. Make an alarm. Um, Put yourself a sticky note on your desk. Just do whatever you do to remind yourself of anything else in, in the day. Talk to Google Home or Alexa and ask them to remind you. Don't forget, because these people are still going to be hurting, and it really doesn't take much. It can just say, hey, I know today is would have been your son's 18th birthday, and I'm celebrating his the life that he had that was cut short, that didn't make it to 18, but we thank God for the amazing years he did have with you. Click, send, that's it. That's all you have to do. That will really transform someone's grieving experience. So don't forget. So those are my three points. Don't avoid it, don't ask for permission, and don't forget. And I think even with just these three things, it's enough to equip us to be much, much better at loving and helping grieving people. So I do encourage you guys to read the book. That is my number one recommendation of what I think everyone should be reading and should have on their bookshelves. It's What Grieving People Wish You Knew by Nancy Guthrie. Because all of us, For all of our lives, you're going to be around people who are hurting and people who need somebody to be there. And this is something that we need to be equipped with and a skill that is so important for us to have so we can really love people well and help each other. So thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along this journey. I know this was by far the longest podcast to date, but I hope that it's equipped you. I really hope that you do buy the book, but if you don't, I hope that you remember these three points And I hope that even out of the handful of us who are listening to this, that many, many more people are loved really, really well when they're grieving because we just spent a little bit of time on this podcast together. So thanks, everybody. Love you all. Till next time. 